back, everyone, to the Good Grow Great podcast. I'm your host, Talia Toha. I wanted to welcome you if you're new here and welcome you back if you're coming back and joining us. I love that we are actually, we've been chatting together and you've been tuning in hopefully now for the uh, for the most part of the year. It's now October of 2020. My goodness. So we have gone quite a ways together and I hope that you've been getting tons of value you've been learning a lot from other people who are on the show and just kind of things that you discover here and there just a little gems that you can then pull out and put together and apply in your life and also your work and maybe even your business and that is really the goal of the podcast so that you can really live life on your own terms and live life the way that you deserve it so welcome welcome today I have something really special for you and that is actually a something that I realize actually is what you guys are all wanting so a little bit ago I did an episode with a guest on difficult conversations and having difficult conversations and everybody loved it all of you guys said Talia let's do some more of it I want to hear more on that topic what else you got and so I actually wanted to share some stories that around difficult conversations and some surprising revelations about what it actually involves to have difficult conversations so today the takeaways that you're going to take home after listening to this podcast are three things the first one is uh, our types of difficult conversations that exist in the workplace in your personal life and definitely in business as well and the second thing is what types of people are usually involved in difficult conversations so that you can keep a lookout for people who you need to reach out to and just be mindful about who you're needing to have these amazingly beautiful conversations and the third thing that you're going to take home is how to actually have these difficult conversations in different scenarios right so these three are so important i have to tell you of the many skills that i've learned throughout my career and definitely in growing my business having conversations and definitely having difficult conversations is a definitely one of the top ones because if you understand work if you understand personal life and definitely if you understand business it all involves people now whether that is whether you are an introvert an extrovert you like people you hate them you're okay with them don't care whatever it is whether we want like it or not we our lives revolve around other people and which is why it is so important to be intentional and just be mindful about some of these things so at the end of the episode i wanted to share with you the big reveal and that big reveal is the number one common thread across all difficult conversations that you should not ignore so be sure to tune in till the end and without further ado growth solvers let's get growing and don't forget to hit follow or subscribe let's do this Okay, you guys, so for a long time, I sort of view difficult conversations as something that I just sort of need to put away and lock it away in my bedroom and just never really take a look at, right? And just something to avoid. I think generally speaking, it's something that we're all so uncomfortable with and mostly because we're raised, hopefully, in 
a civilized family who like to get along with each other, right? Or friends where we're trying to kind of find our place in the community, in our school, and later on as adults in our workplace. And I think having this skill, and I'm going to call it skill, is actually not something that many people are taught. And I don't know why it is. I think in school, in schools and many kind of higher educations now, people do teach, obviously, public speaking, you know, presentations, all of these. But very, very few uh, actually teach how to have conversations in a level that actually solves problems in a meaningful way, right? And not one in the, in a way that, oh, we're just going to delay the problem some more. Oh, this is just an exhausting conversation. Oh, this is just frustrating. So I have not really seen too many examples of this. And yet, and yet, if I want to be honest, really some of the big wins that I've uh, been blessed to get over the course of my career and definitely during my business is because of difficult conversations. So I want to kind of shed a little bit of light of what it takes to have a successful and meaningful conversation, even if it's difficult, and uh, what to do if you have an opportunity to do so. And I'm calling this an opportunity mostly because it really is an opportunity to be able to kind of unpack any topic, right? Whether you're sitting across the table with somebody who you love, you like, that you get along with, or you're having a virtual conversation with somebody that you're just like, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a client. Maybe it's a colleague, right? And I don't know if any of you guys have ever done this, but but I'm sure that the majority of you guys have when you wake up and then you realize that you have to kind of confront something, right? You have to go into work or maybe you go into your business and you have to have that difficult conversation and you're going through certain things in your head and you're like, okay, what should I say? How should I say it? Right? When's the best time to share this? Right? And it could be anything. It could be bad news. It could be that you're firing somebody in your team. It could be that you are trying to come to an agreement with uh, somebody that you're wanting to work with, with, with a project, a client, whatever it is, right? So all of these things, I think a lot of times we're going through them in our heads or maybe you're trying to hash it out over email, back and forth, and it starts to get frustrating and such. So I'm going to call having a difficult conversation actually an opportunity. And the reason is because I have to agree with uh, Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you guys know of Tim Ferriss. I hope you do. An amazing New York Times bestselling author and just a, a great, great mind. He said something along the lines of a person's success can be measured by the number of difficult conversations that they have had. And I think this is absolutely true because I realized that whenever I try to avoid something, a conversation, it inevitably always comes out in a shape and form somewhere down the line. And usually in a shape and form that I don't like, right? Somebody blows up, you know, and the, a project gets derailed, your business is, is lagging, whatever it is, usually it always comes up. And I think that is kind of the value of having the opportunity of having the conversation up front and earlier on before the issue or the problem becomes so large. And I actually recently have had the opportunity to 
have a conversation with somebody that I haven't connected in a long time. It's been years and I'm, I'm, it's has definitely been years and we never really talked about things that we really should have talked about. Right. And I think for those of you guys who are married, you know exactly what this is. Now, this person is not my spouse and, you know, and, but, but still I think the dynamic is, is applicable as well because when you are wanting to work with someone, when you're trying to get something done, when you want to achieve something and more than one person is involved in that particular scenario, usually you have to kind of face the fears, right? And so when I had the opportunity to have this conversation, I was scared. I was just like, I didn't know what to expect because in the past, we've just kind of been dancing around some of the topics that I knew we should have talked about. They didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it because it was very, very difficult. And recently, when we finally did, there were just certain things that we both had shared that I was just like, why didn't we talk about this sooner? <laughs> you know, and why was this not something that we brought up? How come we no none of us had that opportunity or maybe even just making time to create that opportunity, right? And so I highly, highly encourage us to kind of look at it as an opportunity because it really is a way to, um, you know, uh, Ramit Sethi talks about this, a way to front load the work, right? I think in many kind of uh, choices that you have to make, you have to make a choice on whether you want to face it now or face it later. And usually for people who face it later, they wish that they had faced it earlier, right? And for people who faced it earlier, they're like, oh, thank goodness we got that out of the way. Thank goodness that now we're clear, right? So either way, it is totally my encouragement that you face whatever it is that you're trying to share and have that conversation earlier on in the relationship, business or personal. Now, I want to actually... <laughs> I want to actually also share this one story. I remember I was this was my time when I was working in corporate America and my I had I had a, a boss, right? And I was working on a project and I my project was going well, everything was going smoothly, and then it started to get sideways a little bit, right? And I was mortified because there's so much writing on this particular project. I know that my boss was really wanting to get that done and have high expectations and really, really would like it done a certain way. And when I saw that the project was starting to, starting to get sideways, I started to kind of try to fix it myself, right? I started to go, oh, okay, let me do this, let me do... And I wasn't really, and this is definitely my mistake, I wasn't really letting him to help, letting him help me, if that makes sense, right? And I remember days go by and then it turned into weeks because I was so mortified by the idea of having to tell the boss that this doesn't, is not going to work. And I think I was mostly afraid of what they're going to say about this, about me, about my performance, all of this. And then it kind of became a... (laughs) 
it became something of like a, you know, kind of like a, a snowball, right? It just kind of picks up momentum and it gets bigger and faster and, and more powerful. It's kind of like that. And I totally, totally messed up. And I realized now looking back, if I had involved them, and in this case, this was my boss, if I had involved them, they probably would have understood and they probably would have actually helped and came in there and just be like, okay, let's work on this. What can we do? How can we make sure that this still improves? So on and so forth. And I realized that this is sometimes the case when we have a superior, right? Or somebody who's a few years ahead of us and you're really looking to do such a great job and that happens. And we're unwilling to have the difficult conversation. And I really should have, I think this is definitely the number one takeaway as far as the type of conversation that that we can have is when you have to share bad news, right? Number one, when you have to share bad news, usually the person who's involved or somebody who we respect, we admire, a few years ahead of us, maybe our boss, right? Or maybe even our family members, right? That you don't want to disappoint or whatever. And then you don't share it and things started to snowball. And really how to deal with it is essentially, as I've seen over the course of the years with some of my students at Good Girl Great as well, is that you have to kind of face it as soon as possible and share it as soon as possible. The more involved they are in the process and the more that they see with, stand by you actually and see things with you eye to eye, the more, uh, the more smooth, the smoother the process, the better the, the recovery is, if there is a recovery. And you will feel all that much better and the better you'll sleep at night, right? So that's the first type of difficult conversation that you can have. And um, it's definitely when you have to share bad news. I hate sharing bad news, honestly, whether that's to people that I work with or people that I know personally. I don't like it. You know, you just don't want to be the bearer of bad news. And you're afraid of their reaction. Maybe they're going to be angry and they're going to start like giving you the stink eye (laughs) or whatever. But being able to just kind of as soon as possible, I'm my encouragement is within 24 hours for sure, the better that they feel that you're on their side, you're looking out for them, and the more that they can look out for you. Okay, so that's number one. So the second one that I had learned, uh, the second type of difficult conversation that I have also learned over the course of the years is the one where you have to have that you have to have with somebody who is your peers, maybe your colleagues, your friends, right? Or maybe even your competitor, right? In your space or your business, somebody that you work with or have partnered with or have linked up with for certain things, whatever it is, that could possibly be. And when that happens, I think there is this kind of fear that they're not going to look at you the same way again as well, right? And that they might not feel that you're cool about, you know, hanging out a certain way, right? Or that you have, um, you're unrealistic or they may never want to hang out with you or whatever it is. When there's kind of that lateral horizontal relationship with somebody and you feel like you have to have a difficult conversation, this is usually also tricky. And I found that actually, What's interesting is that I have had to do this, I think, probably 
more often than I had to do the first type of conversation, right? When it's like a, a superior or somebody who you admire or something, this one I felt had had to happen more times than once. And usually, and sometimes I'm in the receiving end of it too. Like somebody had to have a conversation with me because I was not aware of how they were perceiving things or how they thought certain things had happened. And same way when I had to have difficult conversations with them. I think this happens more often because you are in such close proximity with your your colleagues, your peers, right? People who are in um, in the same thing as you, right? And And so the conversations gets a little bit tricky. And I would say if the first one, you'd have to kind of try to get it done as soon as possible and definitely share the bad news as soon as possible. This one, it depends on your relationship with them, right? I remember there's one time when I knew that this person, the one of my colleagues wanted to tell me something. And I have heard just kind of from the grapevine that, you know, they, that they were kind of, they had certain things that they wanted to say to me. And, and that's okay. I think that was fine. But what really surprised me was that months, months went by and still they never brought it up to me. And that was interesting to me because we, I considered myself fairly close to this person at the time. And, and I knew, I, I knew what they were thinking, but I was so surprised that even after all of the things that we went through together, they still wouldn't bring it up to me. And I think now looking back, I sort of understood why that's the case. I think they were, again, they were afraid that I maybe would start to look at them differently or that I would maybe say something that they didn't like to hear, right? And I remember having to kind of close those months of basically not hearing anything from this person because they didn't want to communicate with me with, I had to confront it and I went, okay, did you say, did you want to say something to me? And I knew that you, I've heard that you have had all of these things that, um, that you wanted to share with me, that you wanted to tell me some people, other people, this and that had mentioned this to me. Can we talk about it? And they kind of nodded along and they said, yeah, okay, well, let's find a time to do it. But the initiative never came from this person. And still to this day, they never mentioned it to me. And they decided to move around behind my back and really was kind of, I was really, I think more, it wasn't hurt. I wasn't hurt. I was just a little disappointed that they were unwilling to have that conversation. And I think we definitely all have had that situation. I have had that situation where I couldn't muster up the courage to say things to somebody. And I think that was, again, I think that came from, for me anyway, that came from fear of what they will think of us and fear of the relationship changing, which is so interesting. Now, I want to mention briefly how a certain book, and I love sharing my favorite books to you guys because you know that I'm, I'm such a nerd anyway, <laughs> and I love to read. And this one is called this one is called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Chris Voss is a, an expert FBI negotiator, and he used to go into really high-pressured, high-stakes 
and uh, hostage situations where he has to negotiate with somebody holding some other person or a group of people hostage. And sometimes he has only five minutes, a very short amount of time. Sometimes he doesn't even have the ability to talk to them up front directly in person, face to face. So it was really a really interesting need um, and, and definitely an interesting read. I think most of us will probably never have to face a situation like Chris has, but it really is some of the things that I took away from that book was hugely interesting. And I'm going to share with you one of the top takeaways that I have, I have seen from Chris's book. And that is the concept of a black swan. And black swan is basically what he would call a, a motivator and something that a, a person really holds on to that motivates them to do certain things right? And I mean, when you talk to somebody, sometimes you find out that they like certain things. But when you get deeper, you found out that they love certain things. When you get even deeper, sometimes you'll find that they actually, certain things happen with them or to them or around them that really dictates the way that they behave, right? Ever see, ever kind of wonder why certain things has happened with other people and why they do certain things? This is the black swan. So when he talks to people who seemingly are good people, have family, you know, come from a good background and then doing unspeakable things and just things that you cannot possibly imagine, he says that most of the time there is a black swan behind all of these things and a motivator, something that will only reveal itself if you have the conversation in a way that allows for the black swan to be discovered. And that's, it's kind of like an art and a science, but anyways, but check out the book. It's hugely entertaining if at all. And, but it really speaks to kind of that difficult conversation that definitely the person that I was talking about didn't want to have. And quite frankly, a conversation that I didn't want to have with certain other people too in certain situations. So when when you're faced with this difficult conversation of having to negotiate, right, get a higher salary or try to up your price or up your services or try to kind of make sure that the person that who has consumed your services or goods have uh, will pay you right sometimes you have to have those conversations and and so the way to have that and uh, the person the people who are involved are usually like I said it's more like a lateral relationship right where you're kind of standing side by side they're around you they're not necessarily someone who you respect it per se but people around you that you're working with and and with that basically you have to have the ability to uncover that black swan right and the only way to uncover that black swan is to have the conversation. And, uh, and I think it's so important to be able to see this because we will never get to the bottom of things unless we're able to have a conversation. Now, I do want to point out conversation by definition is a two-way street, right? 
we can, and I, everybody is guilty of this. Everybody always ever have this situation when you're like, and I definitely did this in my younger years as well. I had an argument with somebody and then you're coming up with kind of the response in your head as the person is speaking. So you're not necessarily listening to them. And so this is something that I had to kind of practice to get out of my uh, basically habit because I don't know what it is. Maybe it's from like when we were kids and we are playing with in the playground with our friends, right? And and there everyone's like screaming and yelling and you're just trying to get a word out. And so no one's listening to each other. And sadly, I think we all kind of carried elements of that into adulthood and into our professional lives and definitely into our business. So I I'm a huge advocate of trying to start to kind of begin to strip it down. I know that it's not very easy and I speak for myself for that for sure. But once you do that, you really start to kind of open your eyes and your eyes go, wow, this is really, I cannot believe that this was the reasons that they were doing it. And this was why that they're thinking this way. And this was their point of view. But once two people or two parties or more than two parties get together and have that conversation where the focus is listening, you really kind of start to break through some walls. And this leads me basically to the third type of difficult conversation, right? So the first type is having difficult conversation with somebody who you respect. Second type is having a difficult conversation with people around you that are kind of within your circle of trust, your friends, your families, uh, people who you consider equals, your friends, people that you love. And the third one is basically people who are under your wings, under your guidance. And this is particularly true if you own a business and you have employees who look up to you, you have people who constantly look to you for answers. It's not easy. I think it's really, really hard when every single day you wake up and you have whatever, two people, 20 people, 200 people under your wings and they are listening and they're constantly looking to you for answers. Meanwhile, you're still having to run your business. You have to do all the paperwork, meetings, all of these things, right? And so it's very difficult sometimes to realize that you need to carve out time to have these conversations. And I remember and I'm so glad that I have two examples in my kind of when I worked in corporate America today. Uh, the first one that I've already shared is when I was, I admittedly, I was fearful of the person that I respected. And it was obviously partly from my end. It was kind of my own, my own sort of mindset and my own outlook on things, but also because they have from the past track record, they haven't been kind of the kindest, right, in responding to these types of news. But in this example that I'm about to share with you, I have remember there's this person who's also my superior years ago. And whenever there was an issue or a concern or a problem, I remember very vividly that I felt like whenever I went to this person that they were listening, right? That they were listening, that they weren't then kind of talking over what I said. You know the, that feeling when you kind of, you're trying to say something and then the other person just bounced something back and you're kind of like, okay, clearly the, that person didn't hear anything or wasn't listening. And I never once got that feeling from this person. And um, 
And so it was interesting because I shared this example many times to my students at Good Grow Great. And mostly because it's so rare. It's so rare in workplaces nowadays. And even in family units, I think, it's so rare to have kind of a figure of authority who listens and who's just there with the door open. And just whenever somebody comes in, they weren't glaring down at them and they just go, I'm here for you. Right. And maybe they don't say that up front. Maybe they don't say that directly, but you kind of, you really get a sense that they have your back. And that's because you also have their back. Right. And I think I remember that feeling was so refreshing. It, I, it felt safe. I think that's something that we totally underestimate is that hundreds and maybe millions, hundreds and millions of people out there are going to work every single day feeling like something is off, feeling like, oh my goodness, I do not want to get fired. I don't know if I will get fired if I say this, and I'm afraid of getting fired. And when you create an environment for your employees, your people that you work with and people who you're partnering with, and particularly people who are under your wings, if you create the environment where it is safe for them to raise their hands and go, I have something to say, you have created something that I think is purely, purely, not just magical, but I think also meaningful and just the ability for anyone to wake up every single day and make your dream a reality. Go to work, right? Work for you and make your dream a reality is is something the least we can all do is to listen. And I really truly believe this. So the third, that's the third takeaway that I want to share with you is the, that when you have people under your wings, difficult conversations will happen people under your wings will be in conflict with each other. They might not be happy with your leadership, right? You might have to fire somebody. How do you share that bad news? And if you kind of create a a precedence of listenership and saying, okay, I want everyone to be able to feel okay when they raise their hands and say, I have something to say, that's 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 more than enough. That's more than the KPIs, than the performances, than everything. That is more than we can all ask. Because at the end of the day, we want to be able to go home, sit down at the dinner table, look at the person that we love, or just tell ourselves, I love what I do. And you simply cannot say that if the people around you do not feel that they are safe if they always feel fearful of saying what they say. And this leads us to the common thread and the big reveal of the episode is this common thread across all of these three types of difficult conversations, right? And uh, I, anybody want to guess what that common thread is? I mean, I'm about to share it in a minute, but I bet you some of you guys are listening who are also taking notes also are noticing that there is a trend here. The first one with the boss, I was fearful. I didn't feel, uh, I was afraid of what they were going to say, right? And the second one with your colleagues, with people, your peers, people kind of that are standing side by side with you, they were fearful. They were afraid of what people will think of them, right? We are afraid of what other people will think of us. And the third example 
with people under your wings, they didn't feel safe. They were, they were fearful. Now, the common thread, of course, here is fear. And the fear, though, I do want to point this out, even though, yes, there are cases when it is imposed and evoked because of the person's, the recipient's past behaviors, right? Track record because they were mean. They just didn't, they didn't seem open. They looked like a brick wall, right? It might also be starting from us. And if you really pay attention of some of the fears that I had mentioned, they were actually fear that are based on self, um, you know, not really self-preservation per se, but really kind of a self-concern. And uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned for yourself, but if you notice the three conflicts that's happening around the three different types of difficult conversations that we just talked about today, it is because the fear around difficult conversation is mostly because of the concerns for ourselves. And that concern for ourselves far outweighs the concerns that we have for others. And I want to encourage everyone here to maybe kind of flip the switch for a second and see how it would look like from other people's perspective. How should we proceed if we really are in the service of other people? And as I always say in this podcast with my students at Good Grow Great, I always say if we are really in the service of other people, usually the next steps will reveal themselves. And of course, you have to care about yourself. And no, I don't mean that you have to be a doormat. Not at all. That's not what I'm talking about. And I, I, and I'm certainly, I've done this many a times when I, I am not, I, I forgot, right? And I forgot that I have to be looking out for the other person. It is so easy for us to kind of fall into that because that's just how we're hardwired, right? We're hardwired to survive usually out in the wild. And now that modern humans are no longer needing to be out in the wild all the time, there and we're more kind of within the circle of social animals, you know, we're, we're virtually hanging out with each other. I needed, we all needed this reminder all the time. So I highly, highly encourage you to kind of start to look at things from the perspective of concern for others, and you will find truly that the next steps will reveal themselves. So Grow Solvers, I'm hoping that you have gained so much from this podcast and I will see you next time. Do not forget to follow and subscribe. Grow Solvers, let's keep growing. Growing.